Welcome to the Marion Message presented by the Mosaic of Marion podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marion Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. This is sort of the series on who we are at Marion Baptist Church so that if someone wonders, um, to put it succinctly, what we believe, I'm going to be going through that over the next several weeks. And um, so today, um, and this will just help you out with that, today we're talking about being a Jesus follower. That's what we want to be at Marion. If I were to go down Main Street of Chatham, and it didn't matter who I talked to, if I talked to the uh, unbeliever or the believer, if I talked to the churchgoer or the non-churchgoer, and asked them this question, what should a Jesus follower look like? I believe I'd get 10 different answers. I believe if we just found 10 people here in this congregation, we would have 10 different answers. But here's the truth of the matter. It doesn't matter what we think a Jesus follower should look like. The real truth is, what does the Bible say that a Jesus follower should look like? Because we're going to have, here's the things that we're going to have. We're going to have personal preferences. Thank you, Jason. And we're going to have our own opinions, and we're going to have our own thoughts. When what we need, and being straight honest, is a biblical truth about what a Jesus follower looks like. It's more than just walking down an aisle and being baptized. It's more about just having your name on a church roll. It should encompass who you are. So, if you would, in your Bible, mark Galatians chapter 2 and verse, starting at verse um, 15 there. But I want you to flip over to second, to 1 Peter, excuse me, to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. I'm going to quote you, I'm going to read you first from the ESV, which is what I preach out of. And then I want to read you how I love how King James, you know, I preach out of the ESV, but I love all the translations. I read the, all the various translations. I just finished up last year in 2023 reading through King James. I read the whole Bible through and then some. And this year I'm actually reading New King James. So um, I love all the translations. So don't get caught up in that. But listen to what um, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says about you and I. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a a holy nation. And and I cannot read that without saying this. That word nation there means ethnos. So as I get it and I study and I look at that, here's the truth about it. When you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you get a new ethnicity. And I believe that ethnicity is, is not about the color of your skin, about but whose you belong to, where your citizenship is. And if we go read over in Philippians chapter 3, and I think it's verse 21, it says that our citizenship is in heaven. So how about this? How about all believers have the ethnicity of heaven? It's a great place for an amen, I'm just going to say, because it's so true. But then notice this second, the next part of this. A people for his own possession. King James puts it this way. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, 
Today, we say this peculiar means strange or odd. But in the conversation and vernacular of this day, it means that you were just different. You, you weren't like the world. You had something different about you, not in a strange or odd or weird way, but in a way that was biblical and godly, that you didn't act so much like the world, you acted like Jesus. So I would ask you this question. Is there anything about our lives that someone could point to and say, I know for a fact that person, based upon what I see, what I hear, and what they profess, leads me to believe they're a Jesus follower? Or have we so convinced ourselves that to be a Christian and to be a Jesus follower means no more than walking in the aisle, being baptized, and then living like we want to live? Which one would be true about you? As a Jesus follower, we are called to be different from this world. Yet so many of us strive to assimilate to this world. Teenagers, a lot of this is about you too. You wanna, you'll, you'll strive to be so different because you want to have your own brand and you want to have this. But yet all you're ever doing is putting lipstick on a pig. You're still just a worldly person. You want to be strangely different teenager, young person, adult? Live for Jesus. Let me tell you what the world will say, though, when you do that. You'll see somebody that's all decked out in some sports Today's a Super Bowl, and we're going to have a little Super Bowl party here, but there are people that will lose their mind over this game, over some dead pig getting kicked through a goal or across a finish line. And you'll go crazy, and they'll, they'll be out there, and, and the other week they were there, and it was about zero degrees, and they didn't have on those shirts, and they were body painted, and all the announcers were going crazy. Look at these guys. They love this team, and they do this. They're just fans. But you let a uh, Christian try to live a holy life, and we get called fanatics and Jesus freaks. Here's what I say when somebody says that about me now. Thank you. Glad you see the difference. This is totally unbiblical. We are called, listen to this, we are called, you and I, to something greater, something more meaningful, something more magnificent, something more amazing than anything this world can offer. This world has nothing to offer you. Let that resonate with you and let that sink into your heart. We're called to be lights, to call people out of darkness because that's what we were called out of. We are not called to be the darkness. Preacher, how do you know that? Well, keep on reading in verse 9 right there. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're to be a light bearer and a light sharer. We go to Matthew in the Sermon on the Loud. Jesus said these words, let your light so shine. I wonder how many of us really are biblical Jesus followers. Flip over now to Galatians chapter 2. 
When you get there, would you stand at the reading of God's word? Paul has been expounding upon this, and this is uh, a book about freedom from the law, and he's dealing with this. And in chapter 2, he's, he's actually confronted uh, Peter about living one way when the Jews weren't around, but when the Jews came back around, he reverted back to living like a Jew and, and sort of standoffish to the Gentiles. And Paul's like, I confronted him to his face and said, brother, you're wrong. And we get to verse 15. We ourselves are Jews and not Gentile sinners, yet, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Understand that you cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot take this Bible, never come to Jesus, but say, you know what? I'm going to live by the principles of this Bible. I'm going to live by the Ten Commandments, and I'm going to live by this, but I'm never going to give my heart to Jesus. As long as I do everything in this Bible, I'm going to be good to go. No, you're not. Not until you come by faith. Yes, you should live by the principles of this Bible. Yes, you should strive to live by the commandments of Jesus. But that's a result of the decision. To follow Jesus. Not what gets you there. But if, our, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we, were t- we too were found to be sinners. In other words, just law followers. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law that I might live to God. And here it is. It's going to be our passage for the day. I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And a life I now, life I now live I li- in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, listen to this, then Christ died for no purpose. Mm. Father, God, move. God, I pray that today we would all take a look inside to see if we are biblically a Jesus follower. Not pointing fingers and saying somebody's not saved. Not saying that at all, Jesus. But are we living the profession of our heart and of our mouth? I pray that today would start a revolution in this place, with these people, at this time. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. He really stresses right here that it is when we are justified, it is by faith and it's, it's not by works. But how does this happen? How do, we, how do we make sure that we are not living just by our works? See, I honestly believe that there are some people that when, the, that when they draw their last breath, they are counting on getting into heaven because they came to church all this time. By the way, I'm going to deal with that, that you should want to come to church, but it should be something living out of you that makes you want to come, not you just deciding it on your own and having to deal with it. I'm more worried about having our membership, our membership in a local church or the fact that we did this or the fact that we gave money. All that's a result, not a reason. God's not going to let you into heaven on a technicality. He came, he died, he sets the covenant and the parameters. 
So let's look what it takes to be a Jesus follower. Number one, by the way, there's only two points. I don't know why y'all get so excited when I say there's only two points. Cheesy peasy, man. Y'all act like I'm going to preach for an hour and a half. I could. <laughs> I won't, but I could today. But I want to see this. Number one, this is a crucified life. He literally says it right here. As we begin verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, that little phrase, I have been crucified, I'm going to be a word nerd because I think it's so important to what we need and what we need to know and how we interpret the rest of this. So we are saved in verses 15 through 19. They tell us that we're saved by faith, okay? He says, now, once I'm saved by faith, once I've been justified, once I've been declared righteous because Christ died for me and I'm now clothed with him, what happens now? You understand you're crucified with Christ. And this is in the perfect passive indicative. What does that mean? That means it's in the perfect tense. In other words, it is a finished thing. In other words, once I get into that blessed ark with Jesus Christ, no matter what I do, I can't get out of that blessed ark. You see, your eternal salvation is not based upon you. You cannot lose that which you do not control. Hello? Because I'm gonna, I, love, I heard a sermon by Vody Balkum the other day, and he says this. He says, because, dear ones, if we could lose our salvation, we would. Because so many of us, even as we're walking this life, we, at times we want nothing more than darkness in our life and not the light of Jesus Christ. So if Hank could get out at times, there are times Hank would just jump out of that blessed ark. But I'm so glad that Jesus is the one that shut the door when I got into that ark of Jesus Christ. And he's the one that controls that door. And he's the one that won't ever let me out no matter what I do. His blood is powerful. So it's perfect. It's a finished thing. I've been crucified with Christ. And by the way, how can a dead person do anything that a living person would do? You ever thought about that? If I come to Jesus and then I find myself crucified with him, how can a dead person do anything like that? So not only is it perfect, it's in the passive voice. In other words, once I come to Jesus and I'm crucified, I don't do nothing else except let him live through me, and then that brings about the work of Scripture. Hello? Y'all with me? Here's a picture. You know, I've used this several times because it is such a great illustration, man. My, at my, my grandma's house growing up, she lived, and she had this peach tree in the backyard. And, uh, man, I played outside all the time. I wouldn't like you, you nerds now that all you want to do is play video games. I wanted to get outside and play baseball and football, and I mean, High school football and nothing like that. You ain't got nothing on backyard football. Can I get a witness? You ain't got nothing on that, especially when it's about 20 degrees and the ground froze. Y'all all right? That's when you become a man. You know what I'm saying? You play that kind of football. So we are different. So I'm always around them things. And then springtime comes, man, and, and, and that tree would blossom. But I never heard that tree groan. I never heard that tree push the fruit out that way. All of a sudden, springtime comes, and that little flower comes. And then, the, the, then there's a little pod there that a little, the fruit begins to come, and it's really small. And then it grows, and it grows because, because here it is, that tree, through its um, roots and all that, it begins to nourish 
the parts of that tree that need it, and it goes right out to where the fruit's at. Friends, when the passive, here's what happens. So I give my life to Jesus. He draws, I accept, and then he begins to live in me, and then he begins to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in me. Are y'all all right? I said it before, I won't say it again. Nobody should ever have to beg a Christian to come to church. It should be inside of you. It literally should be. I shouldn't have to beg you to come to church. If the Son of God, if Jesus, because you know who loves church? You know who loves church? Jesus. So, so hear me, hear this thought out. So if Jesus loves church and the church, and Jesus is living inside of you, why would Jesus not want you to come to church? Why would he not want to drag your lazy butt to church every Sunday? Answer me that. Somebody stand up and throw a King James Version Bible and a Broadman Holman Himmel at me if you can figure that out. It makes no sense that, uh, that uh, we, we try to make excuses. Well, you know, you ain't got to go to church to go to heaven. Here's what I think. I wonder if you got Jesus living inside of you. Because he's the one that created it. He's the one that died for it. He's the one that loves it. Church not going away, y'all. I, I just don't understand why you got to beg a believer who has a Holy Spirit, Jesus, living inside. And all you got to do is say, here I am, use me, and he'll move in you. And by the way, he'll take care of some of those old things that you used to have. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. He'll begin to bring about these other things in you that you don't even have to think about, that he wants to produce in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. All those things. If you got to work it up, you got a problem. If you got to fake it to make it, you ain't got it. That ain't right there was for Joan Giles. Seriously, if you've got to fake it to make it, like you got to work up some fruit of the Spirit, or you got to work up joy, or you got to work it up, do you have inside of you, I'm just asking, the one who gives it to you? And then it's indicative. It's just a fact. You know, I, I said this this morning, and I, I, and I say this just with nothing more than an, a brutal honesty. Before anybody ever, if they hear the name Hank Meadows, before they think anything else, I would prefer them to think first, believer, Jesus follower, Christian, and then the rest. I want to be known for my faith. Y'all all right? I want to be known that there's something different about me, that there was something peculiar about me, that they could tell that there was a difference in my life. I thought about this too. Check this out. So if we read verse 18 and 19, for if I reveal what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. You would think that the next verse, verse 20, would start out this way. Therefore, I live in Christ. 
Doesn't that make sense? That's how we, Paul said, no, 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 because the Holy Spirit living inside of him said, no, because you can't live it in Christ. What you have to do is die to self. You, you got to get yourself out of the way. Listen, crucifixion always involved death. You won't get on that cross and getting out of it alive. When you were nailed to the cross, you were dead. It just took your body a little while to catch up. So tell me how in the world can a dead person decide to do anything except what their master says, the creator of the universe? If you're dead, you don't own your life no more. By the way, and you were purchased at Calvary. Your master is no longer sin. Your master is a savior named Jesus. And it is no longer I who lives. If we're going to be the ones who live a Jesus-following life, don't miss this, we must come by the way of the cross and live a life where self is dethroned. Where I no longer exist as far as it comes to my wants and my desires and my wishes. Are you hearing me? You have to dethrone yourself. Because in your heart, there's only one throne. That means there's only one master. And in your heart, that master is either you or God. So who occupies that seat in your life? Because if Jesus occupies it, you have no right over your life, and the king of your heart will tell you where to go and what to think and what to do. Preacher, I know we read it right there, but could you show me somewhere else? I'm glad you asked. Flip over to Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is leaving Caesarea Philippi, and he asks him, who do people say that I am? The most important question in all of Scripture you do realize your eternity is based upon how you answer that one question. I'm talking today about the results of answering that question and how you should live so that you don't come across as a fake. See, I believe today we got too many sheep that want to live in wolves' clothing so nobody will know it. So he gets down right there, and, and listen, so Peter says, you know, he begins to tell him he's going to die. And Peter's like, no, that ain't going to happen, bro. And then Jesus says in verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, did you catch that? You know what he's saying? If you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a Jesus follower, the very first thing you have to do, what does it say? Deny yourself. Deny yourself. He didn't say write a check. <laughs> he didn't say come to church. I know y'all think I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. You just hang on. I ain't done yet. He didn't say uh, do this, do that. Jesus said the very first thing you got to do to be a Jesus follower, that's what he said, is he not? Anyone that would come after me, let him deny himself. I believe some people, if it came down 
between going and watching a football game or coming to church and seeing Jesus, they'd choose a football game. Or anything. You put anything. I, I don't know what all y'all do, what all y'all things are. But I'm going to tell you this. Biblically speaking, if you would put anything else before Jesus, it's a sin. The very first thing is to deny yourself. Well, preacher, what do I deny? You deny yourself of self. Your wants, your desires, your wishes. You mean, and you're probably sitting there going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Then what do I have? You have Jesus' desires, Jesus' wishes, Jesus' wants for your life. And remember what I said. It was not just words. He's called us to something greater, more meaningful, more magnificent, more amazing. Our problem is we think Christianity is boring and nothingness. And Jesus says, I'm telling you, it's more meaningful, it's more amazing, it's more magnificent than anything this world has to offer. This world, the prince of the power of the air, is ruled by the father of lies. He'll lie to you, and he'll tell you it's okay. He'll tell you it ought to be, it'll be good for you, and the next thing you know, it kills you. we got to live where it's not about us. All about him. But here's what you find out. See, some of you are thinking, well, that, isn't that boring? The more you get into Jesus, the more he gets into you, the more your desires and his desires match up. See, some of you... You say, it just doesn't work anymore. No, you just haven't tried it. I met with a man just, just last week, and we were talking, and he was talking about his, his salvation. He was telling me about his, his backstory, and I mean, it was... <laughs> and then he said this. He said, he gave me the exact date when he came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. He said, preacher, the strangest thing, listen to this, he said, man, I couldn't get enough of the Bible. He said, I read the entire Bible in one month. He said, when I got through with that, man, I really got serious about this part and that part, and I just could not get enough. And he said, I'm some 30 years later, and preacher, I cannot. And this old brother brought out his Bible, bless God, and that Bible was falling apart, and the leather was broken, and it was bent, and it was this, and the, it was coming apart here, and he was putting it back together. He said, I just can't get enough. I wonder how many of us would say the same thing. I wonder how many of you are going to walk home today if you brought a Bible. By the way, youth, I've been checking. By God, if adults don't want to do it, I'm going to teach the youth to bring their Bibles to church. Put your Bible down and not pick it up. And want to claim you love Jesus. I'm a Jesus follower. I don't read his word. I don't go to church unless it's okay. I don't do this, but I'm a Jesus follower. Do you think that's going to pass muster? Or do you think it's just showing who truly you follow? Self. To live this crucified life, you've got to know two things. It's got to be a death to sin. Notice what he says here. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives 
in me. In other words, there's a death been the sin. That's how you come to him. He, the sin debt has been paid. Its penalty, its power, its dominion in our lives has been defeated. And everything against us because of Jesus has been paid in full. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might be made the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In other words, he looked and he loved you in all your sorriness, in all your sickliness, in all your sin, in all your nothingness. He loved you. And he said, I'm going to die for that one. And so he waded through the cesspool of sin to pay your sin debt. That's why when he hung on the cross, he said what? To tell us that it is finished. He did not say, I am finished. It. What was the it? Everything needed to pay for your sin debt and for my sin debt. And by the way, the blood, the pot, there's still blood in the pot. There's power in the blood. I'll get it right, Kevin, in just a minute. There's still power in the blood. I'm asking you today, right now, has there ever been a moment when you said yes to the gospel, that you understood that you are a rotten sinner to the core? Preacher, I'm not a bad person. Yes, you are, according to the Bible. Scripture says there's none good, no, not one. And all we deserve is a place called hell, but God, who is rich in mercy. Y'all all right? He died for you. He paid the debt you couldn't pay so that you could then live for him. He didn't ask anything just to live for him. Is that so much to ask that if you are a born-again, blood-bought believer that you would want to live for him? Because number two part of this, there's not just death to sin, there's death to ourselves. I've talked a lot about that already. Jesus cleanses our lives. He takes control. It's no longer our life. Notice what happens. Christ lives in me. So what does this mean for me? My life is not about me anymore. See, there you go. God, get us off the throne. Jesus is to live his resurrection life in you. We're to live his life in ours, not our personal one. Sin no longer reigns, but he reigns. Flipping your Bible to Philippians. It should be to the right. Philippians chapter 3. Listen to what Paul said. Man, I love this. Philippians chapter 3, and Paul had it all, didn't he? In the first few verses there, he's talking about what all he has in Jesus and how he is a Hebrew of Hebrews, and he's got all this. <coughs> I wonder if we could be with Paul and say this in verse 8 or verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, of Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Here it is, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Did you catch that? You may say, well, preacher, this is a hard passage you're preaching today. Absolutely. But I'd go a step further. It's not hard. It's impossible to live this life. Then you're probably going to preacher, why are you preaching? How can we live it? Because of what I just read, that he will live it through you. 
See, the Christian life's only been lived right by one person, and that guy's name was Jesus. He was the God-man. But here's what he said. I know you can't live it, but I'll come and live inside of you and live it out through you. You guys ever heard of George Mueller? Began an orphanage in England years ago, years ago. He sold everything he had to start this orphanage because he just had a burden for this. And over the years, he had bills. Said, Did you not catch? He sold everything he had and he put it every dime. But he felt like God was calling him to it. So he gets to that, and people are like, well, how are you going to pay? He goes, that's not my problem. God called me to it. God's got to provide. Listen to what he said. There was a day when I died, utterly died. I died to George Mueller, to his opinions, his preferences, his taste, and his will. I died to the world. It's approval or censure, I died. Wow. Can I ask you this question? Could you put your name say, right there and say, I've died to this world, and I don't care whether the world approves of me, whether the world wants to censure me. All I want is Jesus in me, the hope of glory. How many of us live that way? And all we got to say is, Jesus, live through me. I want to die to myself. Live through me and show me what you want. I'll go where you send me. I'll say what you want. And I'll live what you want. I'll work at the place you tell me to work. I'll do the things. I'll go reach out to people that need to be reached out to. I'll do it all because you live in me. We can look at it this way as we come here. If we're crucified with Christ and it's him that lives in us, it means it's right legally. Now we are justified. In a legal standing, we are now justified. Relationally, we're now restored. I, the one writer, Paul wrote, I think it was 1 Corinthians, he said, he broke down the wall, the barrier that was against and made us and brought us to peace. He restored our fellowship. And then daily... He empowers you. See, that's the great thing. He doesn't, he, he doesn't call you to anything that he doesn't equip and empower you for. Flip over to Romans chapter 6 real quick. You want to talk about a powerful chapter. I'm really thinking about changing my mind from Romans 8 to Romans 6. About being the one chapter I would have. <clears throat> Listen. I'm going to walk you through it and just make a few comments. Don't worry, we're probably not going to get to point two. I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of it and we'll, we'll go on. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who, listen, how can we who died to sin still live in it? That's not Hank saying that, that's Paul. He says, how can you still live in something that you died to? Either you did not die to it, or you're a liar. 
Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried with him, therefore, by baptism into death. We, in order that just as Christ was raised from dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know, here it is, same wording, same wording. We know that our old self was crucified with him. In order that the body of sin may be brought to nothing so that we would not be no longer a slave to sin. There are some of you here, you think you're free. I'm going to hear tell you, you are the most in bondage person I know. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is more bondage than anybody. You may say, no, 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 I go do what I want. No, you don't. You do what your old body of self wants you to do. Or you do what a body of friends wants you to do. Or you do body of whatever how people can um, make you do. Or you do whatever addiction you have. Or you do whatever, whatever you have. You do it because in your side of you, you don't have a power that can withstand the forces of evil. And so you just like a little person just drawn to the fire. You walk. You know who the freest person in here? The one who says, man, I love Jesus, and I just do whatever he says. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to give it a thought because Jesus is going to lead me. Listen to what he says. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again, and death has no dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Here it is. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin. Uh, that, that, that's a, a, a bean counter word there. It means that he's reckoned, that he's, he's done all the ciphering, and he's figured it out, and one plus one times two to the second power with the third and the square root of 19, and the 42nd, all trigonometry and the cosine, he figured it all out. And here's what he says. We're to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law but under grace. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. You ain't got to sin. You don't got to. If you got Jesus, you don't got to. The power of sin has been defeated. Hello? Here's a great thing. Man, when you're first saved, the penalty of sin has gone away. You don't got to go to hell when you're truly saved. Then as you walk this life of sanctification, the power of sin has no right over you. You don't have to do it. You may choose to do it, but you ain't got to do it. And then aren't you glad one day, oh, dear Jesus, we'll be saved from the very presence of sin. Can you imagine? When we get out on the other side, you don't have to face the temptation of this old fleshly body or the temptation of the enemy. Consider yourselves dead to sin, y'all. Let me give you, let me just throw a little, let me just throw a little line here to the, to the second point. It's the faith life. It's the faith life. And notice the first half says about Christ in us and living in us. Now here's a part for us. And back here really quickly, and then I'm done. I promise. I'm gonna stop. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith 
in the Son of God who loved me and gave, if he gave himself and he loved you when you were a, a sorry, flea-bitten, sin-riddled sinner, will he not love you the more as a saved saint? Hello? Will he not? And listen, by the way, this is that freedom. I know that if God leads me to it, he's going to lead me through it by his power. All I've got to do is have faith. Hebrews eleven six says what? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Can I ask you this question today, y'all? Are you biblically a Jesus follower? Are you a Jesus follower? Do you have the biblical standard of being a Jesus follower? Some of you would have to say no because you never even claimed it with your life. There's never been a day when you've looked at your own life and you said, man, I'm going to hell. I'm a sinner. I know I'm not good. I know me. And I'm going to hell. Here's what I say to you. You don't have to. There's a Savior who will reach out with a nail-scarred hand today and say, if you'll but just believe in me, repent of that sin you just claimed, and put your trust and your faith in me, you can go to heaven. That's the only way. Thanks for listening to the Marian message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.